0: Welcome to Behind the SAS. I'm your host, Aaron Howerton, and today's topic, the not great thing about working in SaaS. My very first job was as a database engineer, really administrator, database administrator, for a company called CS Stars it's in Amarillo, Texas. I underbid the role, had no experience in technology, and learned a lot in the year and a half that I did that role. One of the things that I learned about Was layoffs. I came into the company and I started working with customers on the new platform. You see, Stars had acquired corporate systems, hence CS Stars, and was in the process of basically transferring the customers off of the mainframe onto the cloud based platform. And every so often, they would come down and make cuts. Now, I didn't have any visibility of this at that point in my career. I had no idea what any of this meant. But I remember coming to work one day and walking into the office and going to my cubicle and sitting down and the, the normal noise in my office was just a lot of people hitting on keyboards, a lot of typing, very quiet people on headphones head down, doing the work. But this day it was chatty. People were lounging around in other people's cubes and talking, and it was a very unusual So Of course I stopped and asked like, what's going on? And they said, Oh, well HR showed up today. Now I'm, I'm going to protect the person's name because he's a really good guy. And I, I really, He's done really well otherwise. And I just hate to bring people into it. But, you know, it's one of those things like HR had a bad rep because every time he showed up, he he came in early mornings, uh, showed up at the office before anyone else, uh, kind of avoided the sight of it, right? Him walking through was a bit of a omen. And then he would start calling people in. And so what happened on those days is that everybody just stopped working. Productivity tanked. Because why work if you're about to get fired? It was so surreal. And I didn't have any concerns about myself. I was working on the new platform. I was the only database manager on my team that was working on customers on the new platform. And I had gotten to a point where I was helping all the other senior people understand what to do in the new process and the new tools that are tied to the new platform as opposed to the old one. Um, that was confident i was going to be fine when i asked everybody else like what are we you know what are you waiting for they were like well you know we're waiting on our severance which i found really interesting because what i learned is they had been doing this every six to 12 months for three or four years by the time i showed up it was common people had been working at corporate systems so long this is this is the old model this is the old way it works those 15, 20-year employees, This is that's when they started. That's how, how long this company had been around. They had built up such a great pool of experience. They could not afford to leave the company because they knew that we're going to get cut eventually. They knew that the mainframe would eventually be shut down and anyone and everyone supporting that system would eventually get cut. And when they got cut, they would get severance, And they knew what the severance package looked like. So it was based on experience. And when you look at the opportunity cost of getting a new job, it just made more sense to keep going so you could get that payout. Because some of these people got payouts that were equivalent to nearly two years of salary. So people just endured. They'd come to work, HR would show up, they'd kind of take a day off and wait and see what happened. And if they didn't get cut, they'd come back tomorrow and start over. I found this remarkably stressful. I was young at the time, had no idea what was happening, could not fathom what it would be like to just sit around and wait to get cut. I couldn't understand it, and I really still don't today. I mean, after a 15-year career in SAS and taking a different approach where I've, I've been able to grow responsibilities and income through transition, you know, I never would have made it in that way anyways, but that mindset, right, just to see people so defeated, gave me an early sense of what the potential is. And since then, I've worked at multiple companies and have seen multiple layoffs. I've had to shut uh, one company down entirely. Um, it just didn't make it, and I was the last man out the door, letting everyone go, figuring out packages, figuring out how to liquidate assets. I've been through all that. It's not fun. and. Now, I'm looking at all these layoffs, and so I I'm, I'm just want to warn you, if you're thinking, man, SaaS is great, and it really is great, first of all, remember that right now the market is flooded with talent. So it'll be harder, because you're going to get experienced people coming into a lot of roles, and there are a lot of overlap. When I talked earlier about, you know, best places to come in are business development and customer success. Well, those don't require a lot of back-end experience and skill. Um, that also tends to mean there's more people, which can deflate the wages, especially when there's a, an influx of population. So, right now is not necessarily a great time to try to break into SaaS because you're talking about more than 50,000 people this year, according to Crunchbase, that have lost their job. But that's really the biggest risk. And you can kind of mitigate it some. Not in that, you know, like if you start your own company, clearly you have control over your hiring. But if you look, at the growth rate of a company. There's this cycle uh, in SAS of funding and growth, uh, growth driven by hiring, hiring, driving sales, sales running up, all that increasing costs because operations may not be where they need to be. So ratios go up and then they need to make an adjustment because of the market or investor pressure or whatever it is, so they make a cut. And you can kind of see it in the numbers and really in the hiring numbers. Any company that's rapidly scaling has that potential risk What are they doing to mitigate operational cost? How many operations people are they hiring right now? How many of those people came before the push? Uh, If you're hiring a lot of operations people during a big push, that's because they need people to actually do the manual work of running the company. And if they can't get the sales to catch up, to keep up, and you don't get to actually fix the operational processes and develop something, develop something scalable, there's going to be risk involved. So the sooner you are into the company on that curve, typically the better off you are as well. It's almost a first in, first out kind of model. Uh, but then they may balance the cuts on the different teams and roles. Um, you know, my last cut, again, this, this, this last one for me, that was the first time I've ever been involved and included in an actual cut like that. And it's not personal, but man, it feels it. And the good news on the other side of that too, is if you're involved in a, re- in a reduction in force, they call a riff in these layoffs, It doesn't look bad on you. That doesn't hit your, it's not like it's hitting your credit score and you can't do anything or it's hitting your your report card and hitting your GPA. Like people in the industry understand this rhythm. They get it. They don't hold people responsible for the layoffs that they experience by their company. So that's a positive. The downside is because of the way the U.S. economy is built and health insurance is tied to our jobs and then um, our income is heavily driven. You know, we we have a hard time in the U.S. kind of getting ahead and saving and all that. Like for a lot of people, this creates crisis because what happens with health care? What happens with your income? How much money do you have saved up? Are you living beyond your lifestyle? Lots of really big questions. So as you get into this, you need to think about. Now, I'm really thinking right now about all the people that I know personally that have been impacted by what's happened, including myself. And I'm fortunate. I I work in a space where there's really not a lot of people I've learned. And I didn't know that when I got into it. I kind of lucked out because about five years ago, I managed to get into partner partnerships and then partner operations and develop some experience that a lot of people don't have. And that's valuable, which helps. But clearly, it doesn't make me immune. So if you're out there and you're thinking, man, I want to work in SaaS, keep thinking it, do what you can to try, but realize that right now, at this point in history, being November 2022 for posterity, the market is flooded. There's a lot of people out there looking for new jobs, looking for places to land. But that's also the good thing about SaaS is it's pretty resilient. So in the moments when these companies are are shaving off their top and getting rid of some of the some of the meat that's going to fall right onto somebody else's plate. There are companies that will move quickly to snap up the best talent and keep them going. So it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible for you to succeed in SaaS. It's not impossible to build a great career. And there's not a lot of bad in it. There's a lot, a lot of good, especially as bro culture starts to deteriorate and we see a better focus on mental health, work-life balance and remote life, especially sas opens up all kinds of doors so as always if you have any questions or interest if you want to learn more about this or just talk with somebody about it please feel free to reach out i love having these conversations i'd love to connect you with other people i can be found on linkedin this is aaron howerton good luck partnering